Hi, it's Angela McKinney, and welcome back to the Untangle and Thrive podcast. How's everyone doing? Well, I was sick. I got bit with the COVID bug, and it leveled me for, for longer than I had expected. I have to say the worst part for me was the nausea. You don't hear that much about it, but I was really nauseous <laughs> for days. Anyway, when you're sick and you're sort of pulled out of your routine, there's good and bad to this. One is you feel lousy, and that's never a good thing. Two, though, as I was pulled out, and I was lousy, but I wasn't extraordinarily lousy. I was for a couple days. But I found, again, an interesting, not again, but I I find that when we get pulled out of our routine, whether it's a retreat, whether it's a choice, or whether it's sickness, there's this space, right? This space sort of frees up and we can start getting a wider perspective and we can either fill that space up with noise and news and triggering loud stuff or we can really dip into the calmness of that space and get more clear maybe with what we want to be doing in our life that we may not be doing or that being really busy stops us from creating. And so with with my little stretch here of being pulled out of life in the day-to-day grind of life, I located and wrote a TED Talk. And it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. But it was an interesting experiment. And the reason, the only reason I'm sharing this is it's I don't have a date. I don't have a venue. It's irrelevant, really. It's going to happen. I'm committed to it happening, way more committed to it happening now than when it was just a floating idea. And so today, I really want to talk about these floating ideas versus starting to metabolize, embody them, and create them. And this brings me into a little conversation about the difference between fantasy which are floating, it's more of a floating state that we experience and it can become a buffering, numbing state, sort of like sucking on your thumb, an escapism, trying to regulate maybe helplessness or anxiety or overwhelm versus imagination, which is rooted and grounded in reality. It's not trying to change reality or push something away. It's inviting you into something more deeply. It asks more of you because it's asking you to create something new. And that's imagination. And without imagination, we, the quality of our life diminishes, the quality of what we're able to solve, the transforming in our life diminishes greatly. And I think we all are so like starved for healthy imagination and lost on how to really do that in our life. This is, I realize how passionate I am about this because I think this is the root of so much unsuffering is a lack of imagination. So fantasy, think of it as embedded sort of fiction, myths, nightmares, fairy tales, um, um, monsters and it's all in your threat responses and your fear 
And then you maybe, you know, use your fantasy to escape it. Maybe you think, oh, I'm going to win the Academy Awards. Let me just suck on that for a while and imagine myself beautiful and thin and, you know, in the, being accepted and embraced and validated, whatever, wherever it takes you. I'm wanting to use this time today to kind of pull these two really far apart and help you investigate your relationship to each one. When we're stuck in an area of our life, meaning when we're unconsciously, work does not, going to work and earning money feels like prison. And, you know, we have so much resistance and avoidance to that because we feel like our lives are going to be diminished by that. Then what do we do? Well, we we don't confront that. It's usually down low, right? And often we just build these complex escapist kind of fantasy-based defenses to buffer the noise and also try to make ourselves into something we're not. A lot of time and energy is going into that defense model, right? When the real issues are underneath the surface and those issues actually require resourceful imagination. Okay, people? So the part of you that's in the threat response, that's terrified that work's going to rob you of your life, that's going to require grinding into reality, right? Being with that reality, that part of you is holding that experience, it's coloring you, and it's forcing you over here into these, this complex web of, of stuff, right? Of obsessions or avoidances or whatever it is, trying to get your identity met in different ways, all of this sort of disconnected stuff. When in fact, we need to peek under the covers here and put our fingers on the real threat. And when we get that material, when we get access to the part of us that's keeping the score, right? That's calling all the shots. We can then start to grind into that reality. And as we metabolize reality, what happens is we can start to use our imagination. This is where we can pull our imagination into resourceful problem solving. Not only problem solving, but healing, growing, thriving. So that... The part of us that's holding, for example, for me, TED Talk, the opposite, you know, my threat response has always been, since I can remember time, if I, if people really see me for who I am, I'm going to die. My body felt so traumatized, whether it was because of my particular childhood, my particular temperament, which I think played a huge part in it. It felt like I was born, you know, with skin inside out. I felt too, I felt too much of everything and everything hurt. It wasn't pleasant being in my body. <laughs> so anyone just to see me hurt, everything hurt. So for me, dislocating, disassociating, poof, you know, disappearing, that was an attempt to solve the problem of I don't feel safe being seen and I need to learn very sophisticated ways of hiding and disappearing and not feeling this terror in my body. Okay, but that leads to lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of problems, right? I mean, it it worked when I was two and four and six maybe, and then it really stopped working, right? It really stopped working. And I couldn't intellectualize this, but my body, if my body could have given permission to have shown this as far as a dance movement, would have helped me really understand how stuck 
entrapped I was in this self-imprisonment. So I could continue to manage that for the rest of my life, right? Or I could start to, what happened was I got very equipped and maladaptive in, in sort of buff, trying to buffer the noise of not being seen and hide in various forms of eating dis- disorders, drinking disorders. I mean, just totally horrible responses, under earning, under being, getting so small and and not needing anything in my life was really an attempt to solve this problem. Because if I don't need anything, then no one needs to see me. And that felt weirdly safe. I felt like I, you know, yay, I've mastered some sense of something. And <laughs> it was very incoherent for a long time. So the idea with the untangle method and the idea is to to use these skills to help build coherency. We need to understand our threat response. We need to understand the part of us that's holding something um, and get out of the noise of all this other stuff, right? So disruption, being pulled out, being sick, being um, going to a retreat, allowing yourself out of the day-to-day routine uh, can help us interrupt and locate the part of us that's holding the score. Well, we're not working because working for us feels really like prison. I, who's going to go to work, right? I mean, we're going to work, but it's, uh, right? it's not going to be it's not going to be pleasurable. It's certainly not going to be rewarding, and we're certainly going to get confirmation that see, 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 work sucks. See, work is hell. Um, same with right. If if I am not working with the part of me that is so terrified of taking risk and being more seen, and I'm not working with that in a healthy way then I'm just reenacting with it. Then I can just go, see, when I did it that way, that way, that way. It was traumatizing. They laughed at me. And I just keep gathering stronger and stronger evidence to say, see, you you can't change this. And this is all very subtle and it's very insidious and it's very powerful, right? The unconscious and the way our systems work, our biological system works. So... What happens is we end up going to war with ourselves, almost like a civil war, which polarizes the parts of us that really need safety and collaboration. They need to be talking to each other, but they're not. They're being severed in our punitive attempt to be like, what's wrong with you? You should go, you know, read a million self-help books and then maybe you'll be able to work and make money, right? Or, uh, you know, what is wrong with you? Why can't you do anything and show up? And why do you always lie and hide and, and get drunk and, and fuck up your life, right? <laughs> um, blah, 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 blah. You need to, blah, 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 blah. you know, right? Go to therapy for 20 years and then maybe you'll be worthy enough to get a life, right? And we put ourselves in these, these terrorizing prison camps, which basically is it's it's kind of like you'll be okay once you lose the 50 pounds but then we lose the 50 pounds or we do the 20 years of therapy and we're like what the hell's wrong with us like why can't i date now why can't i have sex why can't i earn money because we still have this traumatized body that hasn't really been given the right environment internally within ourselves people within ourselves to heal and receive and build new experiences And this is where we need the imagination because when we're in this internal isolation and imprisonment, we need fantasy. Our system needs to suck on our thumb because it's kind of overwhelming, right? It's like (gasps) there's something wrong, but we're like not locating it and we're just going to cope and survive, right? We need our thumbs. We need fantasy. 
and my 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 mission here and my work and all of my you know my decades of experience is about growing these new fingers to help locate that unconscious threat response in a very creative imaginative way because i never found it through fixing myself i only found it the once i started getting into my imagination in a healthy way and granted i had trained as an actress um, I've been, you know, the only safe space for my life was in the theater, which is the realm of the imagination and creativity. So I had these resources that I think a lot of us just don't have access to, although children, all children do. They pick up sticks and their swords, you know, they play. I was at a retreat in Costa Rica and this little boy was amazing. He was four and he would just find things and then turn them into, he was killing, you know, wild animals and he was right it was just fabulous to watch the freedom of creativity so it's all in us and we need to reclaim it healthy imagination being with reality picking up our life right where it is picking up our threat response right where it is not changing it but learning to shape shift it right learning to untangle it learning to create space for a new experience that requires imagination people and this is the key. This is the key that I did not get for the longest time. Because when you think of, ah, oh, fix yourself, fix it, fix. There's no imagination in fix. It's authoritarian and it's victimizing. And it's a paradigm called, I call the authoritarian victimizing mindset. It's a mindset that enslaves us, right? And so in order to come out of this, in order to get into a more adaptive, integrated growth mindset, we have to understand the one that's driving our experience and we have to see our part in it. And our part usually is, is we're not locating the unconscious threat. We're not locating the unconscious threat, unconscious threat, which is usually in the implicit sort of memory bank of the body. It's not in our thoughts. It's not in our heads. It's usually in this body. It's, it's usually between our throat and our pelvic or even our feet. It's down, people. It's down. And it whispers. If you, you know, if you start working, you're going to die. If you get more visible, something horrible is going to happen to you and you're going to die. Mine's always death. I'm always, just always death. For me, it's always visceral death. And I have to wake up to how much fear and threat I have in my body so then I can go, wait a minute, so I can wake up to it. And I can kindly start to use my imagination to reconfigure this response and build capacity, listen people, build capacity to not just walk through it. Because that to me is, you know, I'd rather eat glass sometimes. It's to transform it. It's to not seek just relief from the, 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 the pain of that threat. It's to find pleasure, healthy pleasure, in the unwinding of the threat. And I think this is where, so therapy sort of stops there in the middle. And coaching, especially in trauma-informed or neuroscience coaching, it helps ignite the other side, that the medicine of healing actually is through the transformational it's through the converting terror into an experience of joy and pleasure. Now that, my friends, is quite a journey, right? There's a universe between those two. There's a world of different bio-body postures that one has to metabolize. There's, you know, we don't go from like hiding traumatized posture, you know, like frozen to 
power pose, right? Like a power pose. Like, okay, I'll just hit my power pose and I'm all fine. I mean, if you are have a highly functioning nervous system and you are in a very embodied growth body, then yes, maybe you can just move to your power pose quickly. But for those of us who are incredibly sensitive and fragile and highly avoidant of stress and risk, going from frozen to power pose is transformational. And it is a massive, incredible journey. And that's the journey of untangling as far as I'm concerned. It breaks all of those little micro shifts that have to happen to metabolize our nervous system, our brain, our imagination to ground us in new possibilities so that we're not only safe enough and present enough, we're creative enough to transform it and that we're accessing this richer, deeper part of us that actually does know how to transform and grow and heal and play in the world and contribute powerfully. And that, my friends, is quite an incredible process, right? So I just don't think there's enough language, um, almost like a dance, a rhythm between those two worlds, between the frozen and the unwound one, the unleashed one. We always want to go towards the power pose, but it's kind of like, yeah, you know, it'd be great to be able to go to the Nike commercial. Just do it already, you know? And my experience here is when you get safe enough and metabolized enough and you're you're in an available place of risk-taking and getting pushed in a way that that's giving you more pleasure, then just do it really works. But when you've been so desynchronized and out of sync and terrorized and terrified, just do it is just another form of, of, is of prison. It's punitive, it's aggressive, and then it's re-traumatizing for so many of us. So learning how to work with the threat response and not just overdrive it with punitive rule, um, which leads to more victimization, is the work. And we have to have the imagination here, people, to do it right? I'm going to leave you here with this, how imagination really helped me and changing my response. I know I've said this before. I don't think I can say it enough, but some of us are born as dandelions, as Dr. Boyce, Thomas Boyce says, and he's a child um, psychiatrist who breaks up dandelions from orchids. Some of us just have a dandelion spirit. We can sprout in cracks of concrete. We can bloom, 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 bloom. And it's not that you're a weed and it's not that you're less of a value. It's just an inherent nature that some people have. That being said, plenty of dandelions can't, you know, struggle. It's too toxic and they struggle. But these orchid kids, these orchid kids need a different environment to bloom. They need a different environment to bloom. Here's imagination, people, right? What are you? Are you an orchid? Do you need a very highly attuned environment? Do you, uh, have you never discovered your blooms yet? I think I, I went 40 years being an angry orchid, think, like angry I was in a dandelion and had no idea how to bloom. I mean, that's my life story. <laughs> What's your life story? Well, I always thought I was an orchid. I hated my, I, I hate, I mean, I always thought I was dandelion. I couldn't understand why I couldn't bloom, but really I was a lost angry orchid who did not know how to bloom. And so right there, is helpful using your imagination to change the response of how you see yourself, your temperament as a flower of all things, right? (laughs) But that 
just that little shift of, of, of giving yourself permission to be like, oh, I'm, I'm really resourceful. I'm really a dandelion, but whew, over here, I'm an orchid. Because it's not one or the other sometimes. Sometimes it's a bit of both, right? Sometimes us, us orchid kids or people, temperaments, don't realize we have a dandelion in us too. We're actually kind of, you know, we can thrive in concrete sometimes. And we don't give ourselves credit. But overriding, I think one of us, we fall either into more of a dandelion spirit or more of an orchid. And to see yourself as a flower is sort of the sense of this imagination that I'm saying is critical to our well-being and critical to growing new fingers, right? To kind of look at ourselves differently and look at our threat response. So if you're an orchid and you have a threat response of work is going to kill me or if I get really seen, I'm going to die. Well, we're going to have to attune to this environment very sensitively, right? And we're going to have to create an optimal environment for that soil, that inner soil, to be massaged and supported in a way where that orchid can bloom in the face of that difficulty, right? And that, my friends, is what I want to leave you with. So thank you for being here. It's really good to be back. I hope everyone's feeling well. And um, thanks for all the feedback. Send it to hello at untangleandthrive.com. We have a lot of cool stuff coming out soon. My book's coming. We're going to start doing group programs again. So stay in touch. Check us out, untangleandthrive.com. Bye.